Boozed and Confused is a comedy and weird topic podcast. Adult language may be used probably by me. While our episode topics may be educational in nature, we are not responsible if your children start dropping the F-bomb to their kindergarten class. Listener discretion is advised. May 1957. John and Florence Pollock tragically lost their two daughters to a car accident. The following year, Florence became pregnant with twins. After birth, things got a little strange. The daughters would ask to play with toys they'd never seen, but had previously belonged to the deceased sisters. They'd have memories of places they had never visited. One twin was born with the exact same birthmarks as one of the girls who had died. This is the story of the Pollock twins. Hello, everybody. Hi. I'm Carol Ann. I'm Matt. And this is Boost and Confused. This is our first seventh episode? This is our first to seventh episode. This is uh, the seventh episode we've recorded entirely. And if you are joining us for the first time, welcome. If you are a returning listener, welcome. What are you still doing here? What are you... <laughs> Mom. <laughs> What's up? How are you today? I'm okay. Just okay? Yeah, I'm okay. Is it because of the fire game? It's a lot of things, but I think the fire was the last straw. So what are we drinking today? Well, it is five o'clock on a rainy Saturday. I'm very tired, so I'm drinking coffee with Baileys, but it's not really Baileys. It's like all these Baileys, which is actually called O'Donnell's. So just doesn't roll off the tongue the same. It's pretty good when you put it in the coffee, but when you have it straight, you know it's not the legit awesome creamy beige baileys i'm doing the same thing but i actually added a little bit of the kalua mudslide so it's like chocolate milk pretty much wow aren't we doing so well this would cost me like 15 bucks at a restaurant yeah look COVID is just saving us money really let's ignore all of the online purchases we've made that we absolutely don't need and uh we're we're saving money for sure yeah definitely the cat pirate ship scratching thing was the peak COVID purchase yeah highly recommend but if you do buy it uh i would recommend reinforcing the connecting areas our cats destroyed it in less than an hour so it's currently in pieces on the floor of our living room so for today's topic we are going to be talking about the pollock twins have you ever heard of the pollock twins no not even in the slightest great I had not heard about them either um, until I started doing some researching. So before we get into the story of the Pollock twins, I want to talk about reincarnation at a general level. So thanks to Wikipedia, I have this definition. Reincarnation is the philosophical or religious belief that the non-physical essence of a living being starts a new life in a different physical form or body after biological death and transformation. Yeah, that sounds about right. Do you believe in reincarnation? I don't know. Are you pleading the fifth? I also don't know. I also do not know that. I know that there are a number of religions that have reincarnation as a major part of their belief. Uh, I just don't know. It's a cool idea. It's a very cool idea. Kind of scary. Like, not sure if I want to come back. But if I do, I want to be a dog. (laughs) Or like a cat. Speaking of cats, 
Like one of our spoiled cats. Yeah. I feel like in reincarnation, you might just take a gamble on what you come back as. I'm assuming it's not like you really have a choice. Oh, I mean, was it Hinduism? It's like the life you led in the previous one kind of dictates how you have your next one. Mm-hmm. Right. So like if I'm a crappy person in a past life and I come back, I'm going to be like something quite unpleasant. Yeah, that would make sense. How do you think flies get out of reincarnation? Like, how do you get uh, enough good deeds to, uh, like, what's the like next step up from housefly? Horsefly? No, no. Cicada? Maybe like a, I don't know, a caterpillar? And who says that we need to have a tier system for animals? For all we know, it goes like ant, giraffe, zebra, bald eagle hippopotamus whale human maybe he wins like bottom actually yeah i don't see the connection in any of those i know you were just making hand motions as you were trying to lay out all of those items and i i don't see the connection that means just you don't get it anyways so this is not uh just about our belief in reincarnation or our Uh, disbelief in reincarnation. Um, This is about John and Florence Pollock. So before we get into the story about Joanna and Jacqueline, their daughters, I want to first talk about just John and Florence's background. So John was born in Bristol in 1920, and he was raised in the Church of England, but he ended up converting to Catholicism pretty early on in his life. Florence, who ended up becoming his wife, grew up as a member of the Salvation Army, and she converted to Catholicism when she was marrying John. Even though he was very um, devout in his Catholicism, John was an avid believer in reincarnation, even from an early age, and he would often try to ask for proof of reincarnation from God. And. And Florence was not a believer at all. Oh, my. Okay. Just to set the scene of how things are going to go. Yes. So John and Florence have um, an expanded family. They have two daughters, Joanna and Jacqueline. And from what I was reading, it seems like the girls have two older brothers. It's not like 100% clear from the records, Um, but it seems like they had two sons and then they had... Um, Joanna and Jacqueline. So there's four kids total so far. So right before Jacqueline was born, the family moved to Hexham, England, which is like five hours north of London in 1951. And John and Florence had a grocery and milk delivery business that kept them pretty busy. And because they were so busy, Florence's mother would frequently take care of their children. Who'd have thought that way back then they would have like had that market for like grocery delivery (laughs) we're totally back in that right now yeah back in the good old days we've used that like seven times so joanna who was the eldest of the two sisters liked to mother jacqueline in a way um she was very much like a normal young girl she liked to play dress up and she would act in these plays that she would create and one day joanna has a premonition that she would never grow up, and she mentioned something like, I will never be a lady. You could maybe say, like, 
I go, I'm never going to be some like high class lady, not like a grown woman. No, I think she straight up has a premonition of not growing up at all. That's pretty upsetting. And when she was three, Jacqueline had some sort of accident. Um, There's like some sort of conflicting reports, or I'm not sure if they're conflicting um, and maybe just like two parts of it. But it seems like she was in a bike accident. And after this accident, she had a gash um, over her right eye on her forehead and it left a permanent scar and it was pretty prominent. Um, It, you know, like would mostly come out in super cold weather uh, was when you could see it the most. And she had a dark round birthmark on the left side of her waist. So fast forward to May 5th, 1957. So at this point, Joanna is 11 and Jacqueline is six. And the girls and one of their friends are on their way to church when a tragic car accident takes the lives of all three of the kids. So a driver was losing control of their car and ended up crashing into the group of children. According to Sci Encyclopedia, which has a really good amount of information that I used for the research for this topic, highly recommend. Um, I'll include it in the show notes. They listed... Um, The driver was a local woman who, in despair at being forcibly separated from her own children, decided to commit suicide by driving after taking what she thought were lethal quantities of aspirin and phenobarbitone. That sounds pretty toxic. Witnesses saw her driving erratically and bearing down on the children who could not escape because of the wall on the other side of the sidewalk. The impact tossed them into the air like cricket balls. So it's safe to say the girls were instantly killed from this, and understandably, John and Florence were completely devastated to lose their two daughters. That's horrible. That's entirely horrible. So thinking back to John's roots in Catholicism when he converted, and he was always asking for proof of reincarnation, John felt that this was punishment from God for praying for proof of reincarnation that God had taken his two daughters because he had been asking all this time for some sort of proof. That sounds like like an Old Testament God, not like the New Testament. I, I feel like we're living in like New Testament mode. I don't know about the Old Testament God, the whole like fire and brimstone. But Lot's wife was turned to salt. You know, he's like, don't look that way. And she does. And poof, salt, pillar of salt. Right. So even though John felt that this was punishment from God because he had been asking for proof of reincarnation, he also believed that he would be rewarded with Joanna and Jacqueline being born back into the family so that they would go through this rebirthing process. And so the following year, Florence is pregnant with twins, and it's almost unbelieved by doctors. Her doctor had predicted that she would have a single child based on palpitation and fetal heartbeat, and twins didn't run in either side of the family. So when she did give birth, it was a complete shock, and the doctors uh, really said that they could not have predicted that. So on October 4th, 1958, Florence gives birth to two healthy twin girls named Jennifer and Jillian. After the girls are born is where it gets a little spooky. Just a a light amount of spookiness to start. I'm already spooked out with all all those James. It gets confusing. 
I'm already kind of confused. A little confusing. So the twins are identical in just about every way except for their birthmarks. So John and Florence noticed that Jennifer had a birthmark on her waist that matched a birthmark that their deceased daughter Jacqueline had. It's also reported that Jennifer had another birthmark on her forehead that resembled a scar that Jacqueline had in a similar place. So if you remember the bike accident where she had that gash over the forehead yep. or on the forehead over the eye. Yep, exactly. So that's uh, where Jennifer was reported to have a birthmark it's a little creepy. in the same place. It's a lot of creepy. Very creepy. So it's about when the, the twins are three months old, John and Florence moved them to Whitley Bay, which is about 45 minutes east of Hexham, and it's right on the coast. And it's important to remember the girls are only three months old when they move from Hexham. You don't really remember a lot when you're three months old, if anything. I think it's been like scientifically proven that like any memories before the age of two are probably false memories. Also kind of spooky. A little spooky. Their move goes well. Everything seems to be pretty normal until oh no, two years after they move. gets a little, little more spooky. Jennifer and Jillian reportedly begin to ask for toys that had belonged to their deceased older sisters. And not in like a, we'd like to play with the toys of our older sisters kind of way, but in the sense that they were requesting to play with very specific toys that they had never actually seen before. Mm -hmm. When the girls first started to see some of the toys, uh, I think a, a couple of them they had specifically called out as coming from Santa, which was true, oh. was given to the um, the older sisters from Santa, quote-unquote, around Christmas time. But how, how would the twins know that? This is very upsetting. It gets worse. It gets a lot worse. <laughs> I'm going to need some more special coffee. Just drink the Kahlua straight. It's okay. The family returns to Hexham when the girls are around four. And here's where it gets just like a, a, a tad bit spookier. I thought you were about to uh, quote one of our favorite pods. And here's where it gets crazy. Shush, 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 shush. <laughs> Unless they want us to like join their team. I don't think we can say that. Stuff they don't want you to know is a fantastic pod and we're not at all affiliated with them, but highly recommend. They're great if you love conspiracy stuff. I just love their voices. They, they do have good like conspiracy podcast voices, I will say. All right, so they get back to Hexham, and the girls start saying things that really start to alarm John and Florence. At this point, the twins are able to name just about every doll, every stuffed animal, every other toy that their older sisters had owned and played with, which is kind of strange. Stop. Before this point, the girls had never been to Hexham before, um, and you know, John and Florence moved them back. And at this point, they're really not much older than four. So when they return, they start to point out landmarks that their older sisters knew, but they pointed them out in a way that sounded as if they had actually seen them before and they were very familiar. And according to John and Florence, it would have been impossible for the twins to know about these landmarks. So one example of this happening is that they 
start to return to the area where the now deceased daughters had gone to school and Jennifer and Jillian seemed to know the way to the park. They had specifically requested to go swing on the swings and they they like knew the way to the park. They also knew where the school was, the school that the older sisters had attended, um, despite never having been to the area once before. I feel like we have to stop calling them the older sisters and start calling them like the older counterparts or something. The reincarnated sisters. Another example is that the girls are home eating lunch and they are complaining about lunch. I think like all young kids do. And Florence tells them, well, you can have lunch at school. And the girls respond with something like, we've done that before. They hadn't but the older sisters had. Here's where it gets a lot creepier. Stop. It's already really (laughs) creepy. This is already very upsetting. Just. (sighs) These are the parts that almost seem like it belongs in a horror movie. So the parents notice that these girls are playing these like weird and dark games almost. Games? Games. What kind of games? Love games, except not love games. Jennifer would sit with her head in Jillian's lap and Jillian would say that there was blood coming out of her eyes from the car killing them. No! No! The girls also apparently had some sort of like PTSD when it came to running cars, uh, whether they were like idle and running or like actually moving in the street. And they would yell things like, the car is coming to get us. So rewinding a little bit, After the older sisters had initially died, Florence stopped working with the milk delivery business. She pretty much just sat home. She stopped working entirely. But she kept her smock and she kept it away after she stopped working. When the girls are about four, John is wearing the smock to do some painting. Jennifer asks him why he's wearing mom's coat and was annoyed that her sister Jillian had not recognized it. In the same way that the older sister, Joanna, had been at school and had not seen her mother wearing the smock. Mm. So that's pretty much saying that Jillian, in this sense, would be Joanna and not have the memory of the smock because she was never around to see her mom wearing it. Right. This is like confirming stuff. So then John asks Jennifer how she knew it was their mother's when she had clearly not worn it. She hadn't brought it out. Um, obviously since Jennifer and Jillian had been born and Jennifer said that her mom wore it while delivering milk. So like she had some strange memories of this, despite it never really coming up in conversation. Of course, man. Enter 1963, 1964 ish. There is a paranormal psychologist by the name of Dr. Ian Stevenson of the university of Virginia who starts to study the Pollock family after reading about them in the newspaper. It's also not the first time that Stevenson had researched alleged cases of reincarnation, and throughout his life, he investigated over 2,500 cases um, over 40 years, and he published 12 books documenting cases of reincarnation. So that article that I had talked about at the very beginning that has a lot of really good information, the Science Encyclopedia article that I'll link in the show notes, um, a lot of that is based off of one of the books that he had written specifically. So Stevenson meets with 
the family. He interviews everybody and they tell him all about the markings and the memories and, and all of these different situations. And Stevenson concludes that the twins were indeed the sisters reincarnated. I don't even know how to respond to that. He notes that the girls even take on the personalities of the deceased sisters with Jennifer being codependent on her sister in the same way that Jacqueline had been on Joanna. All right. So we're going to fast forward a little bit. The girls turn five and their memories of their previous lives fade entirely. Oh. Just completely gone. Both girls go on to live these like perfectly ordinary lives and life returns to normal for the girls or so we think oh you, you, <laughs> you had me so hopeful it almost sounded like once they like hit what age was it you said five when did they die in their previous um 11 and six okay i was gonna say like, like maybe like once they hit the point of where their last life ended they would just kind of be like all right i'm gonna i mean yeah like you wouldn't really for one of the sisters, you wouldn't really have any memories past the age of five or six. Correct. Yeah, go on. Go on. This is, you just said it's going to get worse. So I'm, I'm bracing myself. John did not discuss um, with the girls what the girls had remembered with them. He did not discuss his beliefs of reincarnation with them. And part of that was because in his mind, he knew that reincarnation was not something that really aligned with Catholicism. But he also did not want to sort of like bring up these memories and, and everything with the girls when it seems like things were getting better for them until they were about 13. Okay. So then Stevenson, this um, psychologist, keeps in touch with the family throughout the years. He visits the family when the twins are about 20 and the girls say that they remember nothing about the memories when they were younger, but they had cautiously accepted the belief that they were the older daughters reincarnated. Okay. How crazy would that be to like have your parents say, I, you're never going to believe this, but, <laughs> and like just based off of what your parents say, you then would have to like somehow accept that their belief is that you're reincarnated. Like, how do you handle that? How do you deal with that? If I'm the parents or if I'm the kids? Both. I don't have an answer for either. I don't even know why <laughs> I wanted this to be specified. I have no answer. I imagine as a parent, I might not want to push them into thinking about that. And if I was a kid, I might want answers. But if, why would I put my child through this like extraordinary, like unparalleled issue? Right. I think that's why John pretty much didn't bring it up until right. they were like in their early teens because he didn't want to say anything. And I think it's also worth noting that um, Florence throughout this, I mean, she started off not believing in reincarnation. And as this had all somewhat come out to play out the way that it did, she, I think, then did believe that the daughters were reincarnated. And I think part of that maybe helped push itself onto the girls, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. So everything seems pretty normal. Um, you know, the girls don't have any memories and, uh, you know, life kind of goes back to normal for the girls, except uh, in 1981. Now we're getting pretty recent. Yes. This article clip is also coming from Science Encyclopedia. In 1981, Jillian experienced some inner visions in which she saw herself playing in a sandpit with her brothers. 
She perfectly described the house, garden, lawns, and orchards that matched a house the family had lived in in Wickham when Joanna had been younger than four. Jillian had never been to Wickham. And, oh, she's an adult now having these, these memories. Okay. And there isn't too much else of the story after that. Um, Stevenson keeps in touch with the family until um, Florence passes away, and, and he keeps in touch with John after that. And um, after John passes away and Stevenson passes away, really, it's just the girls left. And um, there, there wasn't too much of an update past the, the early 80s with us, at least from what I had seen. So tell me, is this a case of reincarnation? Or is it grief-stricken parents willing to believe anything to have their daughters back? Honestly, I could see this being like a super crazy parental grief kind of pushing these things on the kids like all all we have all we're going off of is what you read and for all we know maybe the parents were like instilling these thoughts into the kids you know kids are sponges and they really absorb whatever they're around so like if you swear a lot they'll swear a lot you know stuff like that so I, I could see it definitely being like the parents maybe doing this but i can't logically explain the the birthmarks wasn't there this thing that was like you're born with a birthmark and that's like a mark that you had in a previous life or like that's what kills you in your last life yeah something like that i don't know if it's known what birthmarks actually are but yeah i don't have no idea no idea at all uh but who am i to limit the human experience you know for, for, all, for all we know, I was uh, Marie Antoinette. Oh my God, it's such an honor to meet you. I've been told that I kind of hold myself like a queen. <laughs> Wait a second. Wait oh, a second. No. <laughs> Keep that. Keep yeah, that in there. Yeah, I'm, I will. I'm sticking will. with that. I'm sticking with that. Freddie Mercury. Hey, I was born in 1989. You know, when did he die? 80, before 89, I think. Yeah. When was Live Aid? 86? Let me pretend that I know as I look this up very quietly on my computer. Off the top of my head, it was um, July 13th, 1985. Okay. And when did he die? Freddie Mercury, that is. Also off the top of my head, November 24th, 1991. Okay, so I can't be Freddie Mercury then. I'm so sorry. Well, I have no idea then. How old will those kids be now then? Probably old, right? So the girls were born in 1959. So yeah, they'd they'd be a little old. A little older. Yeah, I, I wouldn't um I wouldn't say that they're old. I would say that they're uh like in their sixties. Okay. Which is not old. No. Not old. You got a lot going on after that. Yeah. Yeah, not old at all. Um I'm actually training currently for my first marathon. Uh my goal is to have it when I'm sixty. So you've got like thirty years to train? Twenty nine. Yeah. Let's be serious. Oh my god. Well, yeah, actually, yeah. I'm it's a really slow training regimen, but by 60 I'll be fully ready to go for a marathon. But you know, I I just got to think if this is truly just the parents pushing this on those two kids, can you imagine like the psychological detriment you'd have on a kid? 
oh, I'm not me. I'm actually my older sibling who's dead. Yeah, 100%. Like, how do you... Can you imagine them going to school and like the first day of school, it's like, give an interesting fact about yourself. Oh, actually, I'm my dead older sister reincarnated. Could you imagine them on Dr. Phil? Oh, my God. We needed Dr. Phil then. I'm grateful for him now, but we needed him then. So I guess part of the things that I don't understand would be like the daughters asking for toys that they had never seen before. Like, in what context would the parents be talking about those toys, like, around the the girls? I guess I, I don't understand how that conversation would play out, but I think there are some things in here that maybe could be just picked up from the parents talking about it, and some things I think that are a little bit creepy and, like, maybe disturbing. Absolutely. If, going off of what you've just told us, yeah, it's entirely creepy. But if you, I don't know, if some of these things are kind of like hearsay or things not said, then who knows? Anything can really happen. But man, if you definitely believe that, whoo, that's crazy. Yeah, it'd be a little bit uncomfortable. I don't know. I I don't know. I mean, like you were saying, like I feel like the psychological trauma that these girls would have to go through after kind of discovering that their parents have these beliefs and then like accepting themselves that their parents believe this and maybe they also believe it. I've got nothing. I've got nothing. I feel weird now. I've had to take a shower or something. (laughs) I feel like the other parts that um, kind of disturb me a little bit is the, um, the part where the girls are playing and Jennifer would like sit with her head in Jillian's lap and Jillian would say that there was blood coming out of her eyes from the car killing them. Like I I know that kids have imaginations, but like holy shit, what? Yeah, it's quite specific. And I I think the part of like the girls yelling like the car is coming to get us when they would see cars. I kind of understand like if you are a little bit younger and maybe you start asking questions like I imagine that the parents still had pictures around the house of like the deceased daughters so if the kids start asking questions about like well who is this why aren't they here anymore and the parents would maybe explain about the car accident or just say the car accident in general Mm -hmm. I could understand you know Jennifer and Jillian having a fear of cars um but yeah, I don't know. I can't say that I ever played that game when I was a kid of imagining blood coming out of my eyes because of a car accident. I played war for sure, like where I'd get like shot and I'd be all like, no, I shot you. No, you didn't kill me. I got you first. But yeah, if we died, it was usually pretty gruesome. So in some of the research um, that I had done where people were kind of considering whether or not this was real... And people would would question John about the realness of a lot of this. I think mm-hmm. ask, like, how much of an influence did you have on your kids or, you know, were they, like, coached into this? Right. He starts to mention, well, if I didn't believe in reincarnation at all, um, you know, I wouldn't have thought much of a lot of these things and it would never have been reported in the first place and like Dr. Stevenson would have never come around to the house and done the interview and everything and I don't know it's very fucking strange it sure is um and to your point so like you had mentioned before 
reincarnation doesn't really align with Catholicism, but it does align with like Buddhism, Hinduism. And so a lot of the cases that Stevenson documented came from families who followed those religions, because obviously if you already believe in reincarnation, then it's something that maybe is a little bit more obvious or like on the forefront of your mind. Um, if you're in some sort of situation like this, but yeah, I don't fucking know. This reminds me of this really cool movie I saw back in like high school. Uh, it starred Robin Williams. It's a really good movie. May he rest in peace. It was my favorite. Uh, it was called What Dreams May Come, and it was essentially The Inferno by Dante. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it threw in some reincarnation there, and... Oh, it's an absolutely beautiful movie. It won a ton of awards, I think, for visuals at the time. Super sad movie. There's like three different endings, but it's it's really good. And I'm definitely getting some vibes from your story, kind of matching up with this movie. So, yeah, I guess this maybe leaves me wondering, do I believe that this was reincarnation? Or do I believe that maybe John and Florence were so grief-stricken that they had pushed this on their daughters in a sense and then the other thing that I guess maybe I don't really understand is that the beginning of like these inner visions that Jillian starts to have in 1981 where it's just very vivid um, memories of like playing with their brothers and like layout of the house and like she had never seen any of this but it was all 100% accurate which I guess maybe could come from conversations you would have with your parents where maybe they would explain it to you but Mm -hmm. I don't know I don't know and I'm okay leaving it that I'm okay (laughs) with not knowing I almost would rather not know yeah yeah I don't think we're gonna solve it tonight which is fine yeah I've got a very busy schedule tonight (laughs) I hours of Netflix snacking I don't have time I don't think yeah no I've I've got a pretty packed schedule as well so maybe another day I'll I'll schedule this back in um I would like to do another episode on uh Stevenson himself and like dig into some of the other cases that he did I mean he published so many books um and he met with so many families and I think that just has to be so fascinating. Yeah. Uh, I, I want to say I watched a show on the History Channel that was kind of in the same uh, vein, where it was this little child who was talking extremely accurately about dying in, like, one of the world wars or something. Is this the one? So I, I meant to include in here, there was, like, a more recent situation of this happening And it turns out that the parents had pretty much coached the kid into what to say. I think (laughs) along the lines of like Balloon Kid, if you remember from a couple episodes ago. (laughs) I was going to bring him back up, actually. Yeah. Um, I think like it could be another situation like that. But I don't I don't know. And I mean, I think the part that a lot of people find sketchy with this is that a, a lot of these like memories and and conversations that the parents document the parents are the only ones to hear it so it's like are they making it up are they coaching the girls that's 
Are my, the girls really reincarnated? <laughs> yo, what if, you know, I'm okay not knowing. I don't even need to look into it. I'm good. I'm tapping out. If you are listening and you're interested in reading more about this yourself, I will link all of the sources for today in the show notes like usual. But as a bonus, there is a video on YouTube where John is actually um, documenting all of these different situations of um, Jennifer and Jillian going through and, and having these sort of like memories. So he kind of walks through, well, you know, here's where the girls called out the school and the park and and like knew the way to the park when you know they had never been there before um it's a really interesting video it's obviously quite old um but it's it's fantastic to watch if you're interested in that sort of thing do you have any closing remarks i don't really have anything else um i guess i would like to reach out to i don't know what the odds here of our listeners believing that they themselves are reincarnated but if you believe that you are reincarnated go ahead and hit us up on social media hit us up with a message or something tell us your story we'd love to hear from you you could also send us your story uh via email if social media isn't your thing uh at boost and confused podcast at gmail.com Also, if you like our podcast, you like this episode, if you feel so inclined, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher and just let us know how you like the show. Um, Also, feel free to follow us on your platform of choice so you don't miss any of the new episodes that we drop every Monday. If you do leave a review, uh, go ahead and take a screenshot of that and send it to us. We'll be happy to send you a sticker. Uh, we can't say the same about your past self. Maybe we could put it on the grave or something, but that seems a little tacky. That is a little tacky, but we are more than happy to send you a sticker for free if you send us a screenshot of a review or even just following us on your platform of choice. We have way too many stickers. I want to be able to use the garage again. We have a lot of stickers, guys. We're actually doing a sticker giveaway on Twitter today. By the time that this episode drops the giveaway will be over but if you don't already follow us on twitter maybe do so and you can keep an eye out for some more giveaways like that i think that just about wraps it up for today's episode i think you're right and i hope that i don't spend the rest of the day thinking about the possibilities of reincarnation i just hope if i am reincarnated i'm the kind of person that my past self would have liked like that you could go and have a a beer with at the pub Yeah, and then maybe if I find that time machine, I can. Do you think your past live self would have been a United fan? Absolutely. Absolutely. And if not, then I don't want to talk about it. I don't think you'd want to be friends with them anyways. No. But maybe like like you learn as you go through your regenerations. Oh, that's like Doctor Who, but we'll just keep that. You you learn as you go, right? That's like one of the that's like one of the concepts mm-hmm. of um, reincarnation. So yeah, I might have begun life as like a Liverpool fan in a previous life, but I've learned I've learned my ways. I would say it's probably worse to start out as like a a City fan, a Spurs fan. Well, they have no history. City at least. Liver- uh, Tottenham has some history. But that's all they have. <laughs> and a really oh big, really, really big stadium. They have Sone. You like him. I do like Sone. All right. Well, 
that is it for today's episode. Thank you so much for joining us and we hope to see you next Monday. Yeah. See you then. Well, yeah. See you then. Bye. Okay. Bye.